All right, how we doing? Awesome. My name's uh, Chris, if we haven't met or if you forgot who I was. Um, glad to be with you today and thankful for a little bit of time off uh, the last few weeks and, uh, uh, and, and what a joy it is to get to serve with uh, such a wonderful uh, staff and elders here in this church and uh, grateful for the ways that they just serve so faithfully uh, and allowed me to have a little time to, to rest and uh, relax and spend some time with my family. So yeah, next Sunday, family-style gathering, so we'll all be together. Uh, also beginning next week, uh, we're also going to kind of move to a, a season here now of, of saying that face coverings are optional uh, at all levels of ministry within the body here, so including Redeemer Kids. So volunteers, kids, masks will be optional for them as well. Uh, and obviously, we, we know that the CDC has, has encouraged folks who have not been vac- vaccinated to continue to wear masks. And so we just encourage you personally uh, to make the choice based on your wisdom and your conscience that's best for you. And, and if you have children, for your children, uh, and just kind of move forward in that. And so if you want and desire to continue to wear face coverings, we're excited to have you here. If you decide to not, we're excited to have you here. Uh, we just want to welcome you and, and, and just encourage you and kind of following your conscience on that and give you the freedom to kind of discern for yourself in that. So uh, we're excited for things, hopefully, to continue to move towards uh, getting back to, to feeling a little bit more normal uh, with a pitch-in cookout here on July 11th as well. Uh, hopefully, that'll be a great time to just connect uh, with one another and for, for many of us to, to meet one another. Uh, it's a, a weird season uh, that we have walked through, uh, and, and I've, I've seen this happen a couple times already where there are people who've been a part of this church for like seven or eight years, but were gone for the entire season of the pandemic. And then folks who've been, who found this church in the last seven or eight months, and, 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 and as I'm happy that you do, you feel like this is my church, and you're excited to welcome people to your church, and you're meeting these folks and wondering, is this your first Sunday here? And they're like, no, we've been a part of this church for seven or eight years. So it'll be a good time to hopefully like build some of those bridges and connections and relationships and, and, and kind of get to know one another. Uh, we're going to be returning, hopefully, to two gatherings uh, at, at the latest by the beginning of August. Uh, we'll see how long we can keep this going with one for right now, but, uh, but for sure we'll be at 9-11 that first Sunday in August. But in order to kind of prepare for that and in order to be able to fully open Redeemer Kids, uh, there's a reality we still need many more volunteers uh, to be willing to serve there. And so if you've been around the church for six months, our insurance requires that you've been around for six months and have a background check. But if you've been around for at least six months here and you are willing to serve, uh, we would want you to invite you just to pray about serving with Redeemer Kids so that we can uh, you know, continue to partner with the families of this church to pour the gospel into our kids. This is the closest mission field that we have to us is this building right next door with all these young folks who, who need to hear the gospel, who need to meet Jesus. And so invite you to be praying about that. Uh, and, and if you're interested, you have questions about that, you can reach out to Jessica Siglin, Jessica at RedeemerBloomington.org uh, to sign up to serve there. Well, we began uh, this year, 2021, with a, a theme for the year uh, of One Church, One Mission. Uh, earlier this year, we kind of walked through uh, a little sermon series by that title, uh, kind of walking through our vision and values as a church. And, and it's certainly important for us to be on the same page with our, our vision and values as, as a church here, to be united in that. But the reality is, is that if we're going to really grow in our unity 
as a body of Christ, the only way that that is going to happen is if we as individuals and we collectively as a body uh, begin to more and more embody the character of Christ himself. And that's really what the Beatitudes are. And that's the reason why we chose to kind of walk through these week by week, these last several weeks. Uh, They're a portrait of Christ. They're they're a picture of who he is, a description of his character. And and they're all just really intertwined and and interconnected with one another. They build on one another. For in order to be, you know, pure in heart, as we talked about last week, you need to be someone who mourns, who mourns your sin, who, who, who recognizes your need for redemption and finds purity in Christ. You have to recognize your spiritual poverty before you can truly hunger and thirst for righteousness. They all build on one another. They're all connected. And we see another facet of, of this character of Christ that we are to reflect in our lives today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. I invite you to turn there in your Bibles if you're not already there and, and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be here today, grateful to be uh, in in your presence, and grateful to be with one another in your presence. And we pray by your spirit that you open our hearts to your word today. Lord, that you would help us to see Jesus in these words and to see who you desire for us to be as reflections of him in this world. We live in a a hostile place uh, where in our flesh we are so quick to bite and devour one another. And we, we live in a place that is in desperate need of peace and kindness and gentleness. The peace and kindness and gentleness that Jesus reflects himself and invites us to join him in. Lord, would you help us to to be made more and more like Jesus today, to join him in being peacemakers, that we might enjoy you more and live as your people for your glory in every way. We pray. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. Well, in order to unpack what, what Jesus is saying to us here, we're going to, to look at the need for peacemakers, their nature, and, and the blessing Jesus promises for them. First, let's consider the, the need for peacemakers. Now, we need to understand that when Jesus says these words, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This comes as a complete shock to his followers, to his disciples, his Jewish disciples, right? Here Jesus is teaching kind of about the nature of his kingdom that he is inaugurating. And his disciples have been taught from, for, for years and years by many others to believe that the kingdom of the promised Messiah that the kingdom that promised Messiah is going to bring is going to be this powerful military kingdom. Right? They, they thought the Messiah would come and deliver the people of God from those evil Romans, from the oppression that they're suffering under them, by crushing the Romans and establishing himself as a mighty king. 
And that they would, they would, with that mighty king, that king Messiah, rule over their enemies with him. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, you, you see people wondering, when is it? When is the time going to be that you're going you're gonna to usher in this kingdom, right? That we're going to roll over these people and we're going to dominate. When's that going to happen? I mean, even after the resurrection in Acts 1, right? The disciples are like, oh, Lord, is it now when you're going to do that? Like, they still don't get it. One instance, uh, John chapter 6, 14 and 15, describes for us one such instance. Right after the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. It says in John 14... Uh, 6, 14, and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, right, he just fed the 5,000, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. They perceive he's the Messiah, and Jesus perceives these folks are going to force me. Take me by force to make me king because they expect the kingdom to be this military power that's just going to dominate. The disciples expected him to come in that sort of power and crush their enemies. But here in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus is telling us, you don't understand. Blessed are the peacemakers. My kingdom is not of this world. That, that misunderstanding of the nature of Christ's kingdom is, is really exposing for us the need for peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you think about that, that's really a deeply theological statement. For in those words, Jesus is exposing and calling out the hostility of the world and its deep need for healing and redemption. As Chad mentioned last week, right, at the beginning of his sermon, this past year has been a year for all of us. We, we've all been through a lot. So much so that we are all probably going about our lives with at least trace amounts of PTSD that we don't even realize. At a minimum, it's been disorienting. But, but what have we been like over the last 15 months? What have we been like? What have people been like through this strange season? Let me ask it this way. Over the last 15 months, as you've walked through that time, what has your social media feed been like? Has it been mostly cheery and uplifting or hostile and depressing? But this season has exposed the reality that, that human nature is prone to just fight and war over just about anything. Should we wear masks or not wear masks? Our first inclination isn't to seek understanding and peace, but to proclaim ourselves as right. Instead of pursuing peace, we draw lines in the sand and prepare for battle. Instead of pursuing reconciliation, we dismiss and cancel one another if we don't agree completely with one another. That's human nature. That's the flesh. Right? Why, why is that? that? This is deeply theological. Why is there injustice and oppression and war? Blessed are the peacemakers declares that there is only one answer. 
Sin. Sin. Human sin. It pushes us, whether we're someone who wants to avoid theology altogether or we're someone who loves theology, it forces us to wrestle with theology. We're face to face in that statement, blessed are the peacemakers, with the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of man. Since the fall, ever since the fall, since our first parents in the Garden of Eden chose to rebel against God and seek knowledge apart from God, sought to be God for themselves, humanity has been plagued with sin. Every human being, every one of us in this room, every human being who has ever existed, ever lived, has been corrupted by sin and engages in sin. The reason that there is injustice, oppression, hostility, and war is because of human selfishness. Human greed, human lust, pride. Human sin is the cause of all of the problems in this world. All of the hostility that we see and experience. Whether that's hostility between individuals, between groups of people, between nations. Sin is at the root of all of it. And so we stand in need of peace. And in need of peacemakers. And yet, because of sin, we stand completely incapable of accomplishing that peace or maintaining that peace by ourselves. When we have ears to hear what Jesus is saying here, it exposes for us just how deep our need is for peace and for peacemakers. But but what is a peacemaker? let's, Let's consider the nature of peacemakers. We, we know what hostility looks like, right? We're, we're, we're usually able to spot that pretty quickly. At least in other people, we can spot it pretty quickly. But what does a peacemaker look like? What does a peacemaker look like? I can tell you that even in such a hard year as this last year has been, uh, one of the bright spots, one of the silver linings for me has been Ted Lasso. Right? If you don't know, you're about to know. Right? Ted Lasso. Uh, it's a show that came out uh, this last year that, that has become one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, we've probably watched it through about three or four different times now because anytime someone comes to see us, we're like, you got to watch this. Now, I need to pause and say uh, it's got some British humor, uh, and they're a little freer with their language than we are sometimes, and there's some suggestive things in there, so this is not a family show, and I cannot recommend that you watch it. However, I will confess to you that I, I love it. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis, who happens to be from my homeland of Kansas City, uh, also, you know, so maybe that's part of it. And his character also is from that area and loves barbecue and barbecue sauce. So there's an instant connection. But, but Ted Lasso, played by him, is an American college football coach who gets hired to coach an English Premier League soccer team, having never played or coached or done anything with soccer in his entire life. So it's hilarious, right? Right there. It's pretty funny. Um, and, and while he knows absolutely nothing about soccer, Ted Lasso knows a lot about people. And he knows a lot about listening. And he knows a lot about kindness. And that's one of the reasons I love the show. He's the kind of guy that sees any sort of challenge or opportunity, or any, uh, any sort of challenge or obstacle as an opportunity. 
when he's set up with an interview that's meant to humiliate him with this rather tough-edged reporter who doesn't think much of him, right? A reporter that's a a real tough cookie. Uh, Ted simply says, that's okay. You know what you do with tough cookies, don't you? Dip them in milk. That's, that's who he is, right? He pulls people in with kindness and thoughtfulness. He puts others ahead of himself. He goes the extra mile every time. When people are just downright cruel to, the, to him, he does something outlandish and he forgives them. Ted Lasso looks a lot like a peacemaker, I think. Probably one of the reasons I love the show, and so many other people, so many of you probably who've watched it love the show as well, especially because of this this climate that we're living in, where we're just constantly fighting with one another and finding reasons to to divide ourselves from one another. Scott Sauls is a, a pastor and author, and he tweeted this a couple months back, but he says, theory on why Mr. Rogers has reemerged as an icon and Ted Lasso is such a favorite. People are exhausted with outrage and are starved for kindness. Is that not true? Are we not exhausted with outrage and just starving to death for kindness? That really resonated with me. All the hostility, the finger pointing, the divisive accusations without even speaking to one another, just typing them out with our thumbs is just so exhausting. It's so exhausting. And so much of this year, we've only been able to relate to one another virtually through social media and emails and Zoom meetings. And that makes it just so easy when we only see each other on a screen to objectify people, to forget that they are actually people, human beings with feelings and families and relationships, the physical distance and the hostility just leaves us starved for kindness. The world is starved for it. The world needs more Ted Lassos. Except the problem is that even though I love him so much, Ted Lasso ain't real, right? He's a fictitious character. He's not real. The world needs real flesh and blood, non-fictitious peacemakers. Imagine if the world was just filled with peacemakers, what it would look like. What it would look like. What it would feel like. But before we can really do that, we we need to understand what a peacemaker truly is. There's a notion sometimes in, in certain circles that to be a peacemaker means that you avoid conflict at all costs. But to simply ignore sin and ignore hostility uh, in order to achieve peace is not really any peace at all. It's simply avoidance. Often, it simply aids in increasing the hostility to just avoid it and have nothing to do with it. But using your thumbs to type and blast your outrage at the sins and the hostility of the world on the internet isn't being a peacemaker either. So what is a peacemaker? Well, first we can say that a peacemaker is not quarrelsome. Right? They're not looking for a fight. They're not finger pointers. They're someone who wants to pursue peace. They don't avoid issues 
but they pursue peace in a peaceful way. In order to do that, a peacemaker has to be someone who possesses the fruit of the Spirit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Peacemaker isn't focused on self and self-interest, but considers others more significant and is focused on God's glory above all. A peacemaker is someone who's willing to absorb the necessary pain that is required to forgive others. Anytime you forgive someone, it's a painful experience. Because in order to forgive, you have to absorb the pain. A peacemaker is willing to do that. A peacemaker is quick to repent for their own sin. In fact, they spend more time examining their own hearts and their own sin than they do others' sin. And when they see it, they're quick to repent and seek forgiveness for how they've wronged and hurt others. Peacemaker works to see other friends work through their differences with one another in order to be reconciled, brought back together, reunited. Even, and even more, works to see people reconciled to God. That's the real work of peacemaking. Seeing people at peace with God in restored, reconciled relationship through Jesus Christ. Now we're shifting a little bit from what a peacemaker is to what a, what a peacemaker does. So, so how does a peacemaker pursue peace? As we've already said, through humility. Being willing to own their own sin that has caused division and wounded others. In humility, they own their sin. They repent of their sin. They ask for forgiveness. Scotty Smith, in a talk I listened to one time, says... You know, it's a sign of spiritual maturity, not that you repent less, but you repent quicker. They were quicker to repent. That's a sign of spiritual growth. Peacemakers distinguish themselves from the world by heeding the wisdom of James 1.19, by being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. In order to pursue peace, you're going to have to bite your tongue sometimes. You're going to want to say something, but you don't. And instead you listen and you pray before you speak. When you do speak, you speak in ways that invite relationship, that pursue understanding, rather than in ways that stir up argument and division. You respond to hostility with compassion and kindness. You take tough cookies and you dip them in milk with gentleness and kindness. Now this beatitude certainly has wisdom and application for relational breakdowns in general. Right? It absolutely applies to that. 
And as followers of Christ, as Christians, we are to be people who are extending forgiveness to one another and seeking reconciliation in our personal relationship struggles. Absolutely. We're to also be people that that do walk with our brothers and sisters when we see them in relational conflict. That's what Paul in Philippians uh, chapter 4, right? Yodia, Yodia and Syntyche, right? Hey, get along in the Lord. Let's, let's work this out. Let's work through the difficulties here that have driven you guys apart. And let's seek reconciliation. We, we also got to be people who help others work through those relational breakdowns. Help them work toward reconciliation. But it's even more here, I think, most of all referring to our call to join Jesus in the work of helping people find peace with God. So in that greater sense, the work of peacemaking involves service and hospitality and evangelism. It includes all of that as well. Peacemaking might look like inviting your neighbors over for dinner so you can build relationship, so you can get to know them, so you can seek to understand their story and share your grace story and invite them to find peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It might look like serving in Redeemer Kids, loving on the kids of this church and the surrounding neighborhood, on the parents of, this ch- of the children in this church, teaching those kids about Jesus, partnering with those parents to invite their children to know peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It might look like serving at the care clinic here at the end of July, serving as an advocate. We, we assign advocates to every person or, or family unit that kind of comes through the care clinic to kind of walk with the folks through the clinic so that we don't just, our heart is not just to hand out stuff, right? Just meet the practical need, but, but offer no relationship. No, we want to offer relationship. And, and most importantly, we want to offer relationship with Christ. And so an advocate is assigned. So it might look like serving as an advocate to walk with with folks through that care clinic and seek to build a a connection, a relationship, and initiate the beginnings of a relationship, to to seek to pray for those folks and invite them as you share the gospel to find peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Doing this all in a way that embodies the fruit of the Spirit that is quick to listen and slow to speak in a way that comes as a breath of fresh air for a world exhausted with outrage and starved for kindness. That's more than just the lasso way, right? That's, that's the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus. And that's the nature of, of peacemakers. But let us also consider the, the blessing. The blessing for peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They shall be called, they shall be adopted as sons of God, children of God. In Christ, that's, that's who we are. A peacemaker is a child of God, and as a child of God, they image their heavenly Father. God is called, after all, the God of peace, as you read through the scriptures. Is he not? One of my favorite places, one of my favorite benedictions in the Bible where you see that is is Romans 16.20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. There's a benediction, a blessing for the road. The God of peace is going to crush Satan under your feet. That's good news. The grace of Jesus be with you. Go in that spirit. What a benediction. What a good news. God is the God of peace. And his children that he adopts image and reflect their heavenly father. People of peace. But there's more that that Jesus is saying here. The truth is that you and I, we cannot be peacemakers apart from God. It, It would be a terrible sin, a terrible misunderstanding for us to read through the Beatitudes and think that it's all on us to just try harder to be people like this. That we just need to work harder at being peacemakers. That we just need to hunger and thirst for righteousness a little bit more. We need to stir that up within ourselves a little bit more. We need to be, make ourselves more pure in heart. It would be a terrible sin for us to think that it, it's dependent upon our work to become more like this. We, we cannot become more like this. We are not capable of becoming more like this. In our flesh, we will choose hostility, not peace. We will choose division, not unity. We will lash out and we will attack. We will devour one another. That's what we'll do left to ourselves. The only way we can be peacemakers is if God makes peace with us and makes us his children and empowers us with his Holy Spirit that enables us to to possess in increasing amounts the fruit of the Spirit and image him in his peacemaking. We desperately need peace and we're incapable of doing anything about it. That's the bad news. The good news is that God in Christ has done everything required to know peace with God and to enjoy increasing peace with one another and even join Jesus in the work of extending his peace to the ends of the earth. Again, the Beatitudes are are really a portrait of Christ, of his character. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. He he is the one who, who thought not of himself, but humbled himself, emptied himself, made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself and absorbed all the pain required to extend to you forgiveness for your sins. Jesus lived in our place the life free from sin that you and I never could. And he willingly went to the cross to die there the death that we deserve for our sins, for our selfishness, for our lust, for our greed, for our pride, our hostility. And there he absorbed every ounce of God's wrath meant for you and I in our sin, that he might extend to us forgiveness and he might make peace between us and God, that he might secure our adoption as sons of God, children of God. Here's how the Apostle Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Friends, Jesus came and he did not demand his rights. He gave all of them up. He didn't didn't focus on himself. Jesus didn't come to condemn and blast you for your sin. But instead, he came to die for you. He came to offer you peace by the blood of his cross. He came in great compassion and kindness to offer you forgiveness that you did not deserve, that you can never earn, that you might know his peace and that you might be made a child of God. That's what Jesus did. In a world starved for kindness, Jesus is inviting you today to know his peace and to join him in the work of peacemaking. And here's what you need to do right now to make it happen. Nothing. Nothing. He's done everything required. All you need to do is come to the end of yourself to see that you are a sinner in desperate need of having peace with God. Do you recognize that you are a sinner? Yeah, I know there's sin in the world. But there's, there's lust in my heart. There's greed in my heart. There's selfishness and pride in my heart. And I'm not alone in this room. What about our sin? You need to come to the end of yourself and see that you are in desperate need of his grace. And it is only by his grace that you are made a child of God, that you have and enjoy peace with God. All you need to do is come to the end of yourself to see your desperate need, to see that there's nothing you could ever possibly do to accomplish that peace, that that Jesus has done it all for you. And he gives it to you freely. And you simply receive it as a gift. See him inviting you to come, find peace in him, to find an unshakable identity as God's beloved child, as you trust that he has lived and died and been raised in your place to pay for your sins. Won't you come today? Won't you come today and receive that peace? Put your trust in the peacemaker. If you know him, if you're a Christian in the room, would you remember who Jesus is? Would you remember that he is the, capital T, peacemaker? The Prince of Peace who paid your debt in your place. Would you consider his selflessness, his kindness, his gentleness, his patience toward you? Would you remember how he enabled you to know peace with God? How he secured your adoption as God's child? And by the power of the Holy Spirit, In the grace of God, would you join him in living as a peacemaker who reflects his character more and more? Friends, may we be more concerned with people knowing the grace of Jesus than with anything else. May we be more concerned with that 
And by God's grace, may we be reflections and reproducers of the Prince of Peace. Bringing a a transformed and transforming presence, as some friends would say, to a world starved for kindness. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God of peace who sent your only son to make peace with you possible. Jesus, help us to see your kindness, your selflessness, your gentle patience that you have shown us. Most of all, help us to see your willing sacrifice to absorb the pain and penalty that we deserve. Also, you could extend to us forgiveness and peace. By your spirit, enable us to know that peace and be made better reflections of your peace, that we might bring it to a world starved for kindness. Use us in a mighty way for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.